Can someone give me our church's purpose statement? Anyone know the purpose of Friendship Baptist Church? I'll have it on the screen for you so we can cheat today, okay? All right, so the... You know it? (laughs) All right, go ahead, Race. What is it? That's right. Wow. (laughs) All right, so this, obviously, this is our church's uh, purpose statement. This is a statement that our pastor crafted uh, many years ago. And, um, you know, when you think about the purpose of a church... Um, really, if it's a biblical church, it, we have the same purpose, right? I mean, it, we have a biblical mandate in Scripture, the Great Commission. The purpose of every church, the purpose of every believer is to go and make disciples. Now, churches may word it differently, uh, have different ways of approaching that. But this is the way that we've uh, decided to, to state it. And, you know, if we're not careful, we can look at a statement like this and I know that we don't believe this, um, but I think we may have the tendency to, to think about this building, uh, to think about what happens right here on this, this corner, this property. Uh, but really, as Tim has done so many times, uh, when we break this down, you know, we put the word I, right? My uh, purpose is to honor God. That's so helpful because really we are the church, right? The Friendship Baptist Church isn't this building. This is just where we meet. Uh, the church are, is the people that, that make up uh, Friendship Baptist Church. So really, uh, we want to make this statement personal that uh, my purpose, uh, my purpose is to honor God by seeing lives changed, by bringing people to Jesus Christ and discipling them. And that is something at, for you as a member of Friendship Baptist Church, if you call this church your church home, that is something that you uh, can say so. I want to ask you a question, and uh, don't want you to answer out loud, uh, but just think about it. How are you currently? How are you fulfilling uh, the purpose of our church? Um, you know, how how are you doing at fulfilling um, our purpose? Are you personally, you individually, are you seeing lives changed? Have you personally brought people uh, to Jesus Christ, and are you personally? discipling them. So a purpose statement is, is what a church does, right? This is who we are. This is what we do as a church. Uh, what God is going to do uh, corporately, uh, you know, this is a good question to ask, you know, what, what is God going to do with the individual talents corporately, the individual people that make up this church, with the talents and gifts and experiences and circumstances in this room? Uh, you know, we are a diverse group, uh, we're, we're all different. We're from different backgrounds. We have different jobs. We live in different communities uh, all across Huntsville and Madison and Athens. And we have different opportunities. We have different jobs. We have different friends and families. And so uh, how is God going to uh, uh, work uh, personally, you know, in individual lives in this room? Uh, you see, what we do as a church never changes. Uh, it doesn't matter who the pastor is. Um, hopefully, you know, if, if we take a biblical approach, our purpose will never change. It may be stated a different way, as I said before, but the purpose of our church, the purpose for us as individuals is to win people to Jesus Christ and disciple them, to make disciples. 
So how, how we do that, though, I believe can change over time. Uh, how we, how we uh, win people to Christ, disciple them, how we approach it can absolutely change. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 here, we're going to talk about how God has uniquely created and gifted us for something uh, only we can do. So let me catch you up to speed here. Uh, in the first seven verses here of Ephesians 2, uh, Paul's basically spent a lot of time showing them uh, that they didn't do anything to earn grace. This was God's choosing. This was God's calling. God's the one who gave them new life. God's the, way, the one who raised them up to be seated in heavenly places with Christ. And then he transitions here to why God called you and why God saved you. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now this makes perfect sense, right? So in the past, God created good works for us to do in the future. And I want to give you two insights here about your God-given calling as a believer. The first one is this. Number one, God has predetermined plans for your life. All right, God has predetermined plans for, for your life. The key word here in Ephesians 2 is the word workmanship. Uh, it's the Greek word poema, which sounds a lot like uh, our English word what? Poem, right? Uh, so a poem, we know, is an artistic expression. It's a creative expression of art. That's what a poem is. The word also carries the idea here of being a masterpiece. We could say that we are God's masterpiece. So when God says here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that we are his workmanship, he's saying you are a poem. You individually are a work of art. You are a masterpiece. Uh, you are different. You were created for a specific purpose and reason. Uh, now here's, here's a question for you. Is God an artist? What do you think? Is God an artist? He is, right? Is God a, a good artist? All right, and some of you say, may say, well, we've seen Michelangelo's work, and we've seen uh, da Vinci's pieces, and we've seen Picasso, and those may be very impressive, but you have to remember God is the one who gave them and gifted them the talent to be able to do those types of things. Um, have you ever gone outside and looked up at a clear sky at night and just been in awe of God's beauty and just thought, man, what an awesome God. Uh, we just did that yesterday. Landon loves astronomy. He loves, you know, stars and looking at the sky. So a few years ago, my parents bought him a telescope for Christmas. And uh, just last night, my mom called Landon and said, hey, uh, you need to look at, try to find the moon. Look at the moon tonight because the space station is going to pass by. And so uh, we went out, we got his telescope out, and we were able to find the moon, and we didn't see the space station. But uh, it's still just an awesome, awesome thing to, to, to just behold, uh, to look at it up close. You know, we've had the opportunity to travel and uh, on different missions trips. A few years ago, we went to Alaska. And for those of you that have been to Alaska, just what an awesome place. I mean, just amazing. Uh, we went to Montana a few years ago. Incredible. Of course, growing up in West Virginia, right? I know that should bring revival right there, just to say in the words West Virginia. But uh, growing up in the mountains of West Virginia, 
just um, ama- God is an artist. God is, is an amazing, amazing artist. Uh, that's the kind of God we serve. But the question I want to ask is this. What is the best way that God displays his art on earth today? You ever thought about that? How, what, what is the best way that God displays his, his art on earth today? The answer is in his one-of-a-kind, unique, good works that he's prepared for you to do in eternity past for you to carry out in the future. Uh, God has, I believe, tailor-made good works that are unique to you. And here's the thing I know about God. God doesn't make generic art. There's no generic art uh, here this morning. Um, It's tailor-made. It's suited for you. And here's the cool thing. Only you can carry out this artistic expression that God has prearranged for you to do. No one else can do that. Only you can carry it out. Now you say, well, why is this important? And I believe this changes everything for us as, as a Christian because the Christian life is more than just getting you to say a prayer so that you can avoid hell and go to heaven, right? It's more than that. The question is, how are you carrying out your destiny today? How are you carrying out your destiny today? Because equally tragic, listen, it's not that people miss heaven and go to hell. What's equally tragic is a Christian who never fulfills the destiny that God has called him to. And that's just a wasted life to me. You see, Jesus wants to do so much more. He wants to do so much in your life. And he has specific plans and he has specific things that he wants to do. He wants to give you an abundant life today, not just tomorrow. Uh, Jesus didn't just save you from something. Uh, I believe that Jesus saved you for something. That you have a purpose. You have a reason that you're alive. You have a reason that you were uh, created and, and knitted in your mother's womb. And, and you, have, you have a purpose in life. There's a reason uh, that you're alive today. So Jesus has saved us for something. The question is, do we know what that's for? Do we know what God has saved us for? And I, I think it's an important question to ask. Uh, it's a very simple question, really a very simple question, basic question. Um, the answer is maybe a little more involved. But what has God saved us for? Think of it this way. Before you were born, God made a plan for your entire life. Okay, it didn't happen this way, but let's just say uh, that, you know, in heaven, uh, before the world began, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit got together, and they uh, looked down and they said, you know what, we have, let's make a plan for Tim's life. Let's just use Tim for an example. Uh, we have a plan for Tim's life. Here's the map for his life. Here's the game plan. This is what we're going to do to make sure that Tim is on this plan for his life. And uh, we want to equip him for the task. We're going to use everything at our disposal. So we're going to use experiences. We're going to use struggles. We're going to use education. We're going to use his upbringing. Uh, we're going to use his family's uh, social economic background. Uh, we're going to use hirings and firings. Uh, college education. We're going to use friendships. Uh, we're going to use all of these things to get him on this plan for his future. And here's what God knows. Okay, God knows that Tim will never be more satisfied in life than when he is doing what God created him to do. And I want to say that again because I, I believe that is so true because I've, I've known it to be true in my life, that you will never be more satisfied ever than when you're doing what God created you to do. 
So this is a question. What, what is God's plan for your life as an individual? What, is, what are you here for? Um, I would say that there are some here this morning that would probably say, you know, I'm, I'm not satisfied. I'm sure there's people here thinking there has to be more life than this, than just getting up and going to work and picking up the kids and going home and doing it all over again. There's probably people here that would, that would maybe say that. You see, calling is a big topic today. And it's not just a big topic in the church. It's a big topic in the world. Um, as a matter of fact, if you do an Amazon uh, search for books on calling, uh, you'll see that there are thou- literally thousands of results, thousands of books written on this topic of calling. But there's a difference between a general calling for a Christian and a specific calling. So let me just unpack the general. A general calling for every believer is to glorify God and make disciples. Okay, that is a general calling. I could go up to every single person. If you're a believer, I could go up and and I could say, I believe with confidence, and say, this is the calling, this is the general calling of your life. That, Frank, uh, God's calling for your life is to glorify God and make disciples. That's your calling. Eric, you, your purpose is to glorify God and make disciples. Andy, glorify God and make disciples. Debbie, glorify God and make disciples. That, I could go around to everyone, and I, and I can say with confidence, I believe that is your general calling. But the specific calling that we're talking about, it's tailor-made. It's, it's, it's specific for your individual life. And here's how you can figure it out. Maybe you want to write some of these things down. Nothing new, but uh, just maybe something to remember. So you take the combination of your skills, okay, your passions, your talents, your likes, your dislikes, uh, your hurts, your loss, uh, current context. You put all these things together. And you can figure out what your calling is in life, how you are to carry out this general calling. Now, if I were to pass a mic around right now and it would ask you, do you know what your God-giving calling is? I wonder how many of us could say without hesitation that, man, this is what I was created for. This is what I was created to do. This is what gets me up. This is what gets me out of bed in the morning. This is my calling. This is so, I'm so sure of it. I can put it into words. I can articulate it. This is exactly what God has created me for. This is his purpose for my life. How many of us could really say that? Uh, do you have a vision statement for your life? Do you have a set of values that you live by? Now, I'm not saying that you should leave your current job and uh, be a vocational minister. I'm not saying that at all. Um, does God need vocational ministers, people in full-time ministry? I mean, I, I believe, you know, he does. But I'm talking about a, a full-time vocational mission field called your workplace. Okay, this is where you work, where you live, where you play. Uh, I'm talking about just changing our perspective to see where we live, work, and play as a mission field that we don't have to go find because it's already found you. And this is really what Pastor uh, talks about so much with CPR, right? Cultivate, plant, and reap. We cultivate relationships where we are. And we plant the seed of the gospel and we reap a harvest. So instead of trying to get people to come to a building to be in a, a church for a few hours a week for programs and preaching, we, our desire would be to unleash you 
to where you are, to where you work, to where you live, to where you play, to, uh, to be a minister of the gospel. Uh, that would really be our purpose, okay? Now, ministry does happen here, but just think about the potential in this room and what an impact we could make on our city if we all got a hold of this, that it is my purpose, my general calling to go and make disciples. I'm to be winning people to Christ and discipling them. But then thinking about specifically, where do I work? Where do I live? Who's in my neighborhood? Uh, What extra, you know, curricular activities am I involved in? Who, Who do I rub elbows with every day? that I can have meaningful relationships with and move beyond that, but actually planting the seed of the gospel. And that's what I'm burdened for and honestly convicted about. I was talking to our teenagers about this uh, just the other day. Uh, We've been doing a series through Revelation, and it's been so helpful. And I, I just shared with them this past Wednesday how convicted I am at my lack of concern for lost people. That, that I personally have not been very evangelistic, um, that I know that I could do more. I could put myself out there more, and, uh, and I could share the gospel more. And, uh, you know, and I, I want to be careful here, and we're, we're going to talk about this later, but I think about our church, and I'm burdened, okay? I'm not discouraged, but I'm just, I'm burdened that our church as a whole, we're, we're just not seeing people saved, and baptized and discipled. And, and my mind goes to what is missing? What, what, what are we doing something wrong? And I know that the results aren't up to us. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, if, if there are very little results, you wonder if the seeds are being planted enough. And I'm just preaching to myself that, um, you know, why, why am I not evangelizing like I should? And so this is something maybe that we could all think about, about fulfilling our purpose. And it's more than, you know, it, it's, it's more than getting people to come to a church building. Um, it's more than just coming here once a week. You know, I think we've grown up to, to think that if we can just get our families here and be faithful, then everything will be okay. But we're starting to realize that, you know, the true effectiveness of church is not determined by the few hours that we're here every week, but it's the other 167 hours that we live uh, the rest of the week. So what is your God-given calling? Uh, Number one, God has predetermined plans for your life. Number two, uh, God redefines our occupation into a vocation. All right, he redefines our occupation into a vocation. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 1. And uh, as you turn there, I want to give you some advice on, on how to read the Gospels. Um, one thing I believe, and I think you would agree, is that the words of Jesus are inspired. You believe that? The Word of God is inspired. The very words of Jesus are inspired. Um, I also believe that the manner by which Jesus did ministry was inspired. Uh, I believe that his encounters were inspired. Uh, you know, the people that, that he meets are predetermined by God. It's not by happenstance. Let me give you an example. The fact that Jesus is going to go through Samaria on that day to see that woman at that well, at that time, I believe is no accident. I believe uh, that was an encounter 
that was inspired, it was predetermined. And if that's the case, then you read the Bible a little bit differently. Uh, when Jesus meets a person or he meets a group of people, it's important for us to note uh, the activity that they're engaged in. Uh, because the activity that we're, they're engaged in, it's not just, they don't just happen to be doing that activity. I believe there's a reason for it. So in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is going to call the first few guys to follow him. And they're fishermen, and, and it's no accident, again, that they're fishermen. Look at verse 16. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting, okay, notice that word, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. So the question when I read this, the question I ask is, well, why aren't they cleaning the boats? Or like, why aren't they, why aren't they cleaning the fish? Or, you know, why aren't they lowering the, the sails? These are the questions I'm asking, but they weren't. The Bible says here that they were casting, casting. All right, let's move on. Verse 17, Jesus said unto them, come ye after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. Okay, notice that word, mending. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. So they were mending their nets. So why do I show you this? Well, let's look at it. One set of brothers is casting the net into the sea. Now, when you fish... When you, when you throw out the line, what is it called? It's called casting, right? It's not called catching. It's called casting. You cast even if you don't catch on the cast. You keep casting, right? You keep casting and hope to catch something. So I would say that the success is in the casting, not the catching. Okay? And this goes back to every time we read about uh, casting all throughout the Bible, it's a picture of evangelism. That's why I said earlier, the results really aren't up to us. It's our job to cast. It's our job to give the gospel. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be in on some reaping and some catching. So this is a picture of evangelism. So is it any accident that these guys are, are picturing in the physical, occupational realm what they're going to be doing in the spiritual, ministerial realm for the rest of their lives? Notice the second group of brothers. Jesus goes to John and James, and he says... I want you to follow me. And the very thing that he captures here in this passage is that they are mending or repairing their nets. So what do we learn from this? Well, if you don't mend or repair a net, you're not going to catch fish, right? Because the net's going to break and the fish are going to escape. So these two are connected. You can't have one without the other. Why is this important? Uh, The root word here for mend is connected to two other passages in Scripture we're going to look at. And it's used for the word furnished or equipped or perfecting. Okay, look at the verse on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished, okay, or equipped unto all good works. And we know in the context here, what equips us for the work? The word. So the word is, is the vehicle by which we mature. The other passage is this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, so for the perfecting of the saints, for the equipping of 
of the saints. You say, well, what are you saying? Well, I don't think it's any accident that Jesus meets these two sets of brothers in their occupation of casting and one of mending or equipping because he's going to redefine or repurpose their vocation. That they're going, to re- they're going to do this for the rest of their lives. They're going to evangelize, and they're going to disciple. That's what Jesus does. He meets us where we are. He gives meaning to our life. He redefines it. Uh, and now, there's a difference between occupation and vocation, okay? So an occupation is the activity of one's life. This is what you do for a living. You occupy a space, it's, that's where the word comes from, the word occupy. So you're occupying a space. This is my occupation. I am a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm an engineer. I'm a dentist. I'm, you know, a landscaper. This is my occupation. I'm occupying this position, this job. Now, a vocation is different. A vocation is, is using your talents, your abilities, and your giftedness to carry out your calling in life. Okay, it's, it's a high calling that you've been equipped for, you've been qualified for. So think of it this way. An occupation occupies a space, a vocation fulfills a passion. Okay, so there's a difference. Occupation seeks a paycheck, vocation carries out the purpose for which you were created. So how many of you, and don't answer, but how many of you would maybe say of yourselves that you are just occupying an occupation in life right now? That, that's what you're doing. You're just, you're just occupying an occupation. You have a job. You know, you're just making a living. Or how many of you could say, I know why God created me. I know that he created me for this purpose. This is why I get out of bed every morning. These are the good works that God's prepared for me for the, before the foundation of the world that I should walk in them. How many of us could, could say that? that? This is my vocation. This is my passion. This is my purpose. You may say, well, I don't really know what God has created me for. Well, when we think about design, okay, and God d- did design us. He, he created, he designed us for purpose. Uh, design has a purpose, right? Like a cell phone, okay? We could think about, you know, I just uh, got a new phone, um, I don't know, about a month ago. And this phone was created for purpose, right? It's supposed to serve a purpose, um, I bought this phone because I want to communicate with people. And obviously, smartphones now, they do a million other things. Uh, but when the phones were first created, it was just created to communicate, right? I needed to talk to someone. And then texting came along. How many of you remember the, the, the cell phones with the actual buttons and the numbers? And you know how frustrating it was, the text? You know, number two was ABC. Three was DEF. And so if I wanted to type a C, I had to hit the number two three times. And it was just, it was just a pain to text, and they've come a long way. But this phone has a, a purpose. It was created for purpose. Now, if I, if I bought this phone, and phones are just crazy expensive today, but if I bought this phone and I couldn't make a phone call, would that be acceptable? No, because it's not fulfilling its purpose, right? I would say I need to send this back and get a new phone. If I couldn't text or if I couldn't, you know, load a certain app or if the volume didn't work, we would say that this is not serving its purpose. It's not, it's not doing what it was created to do. Well, the same could be said of, of our lives. Our, a life that doesn't fulfill the calling that God intends 
is a wasted life. Okay? God created us for a purpose. The purpose is that we, as Christians, okay, that we would glorify God, we would win people to Christ, and make disciples. Our purpose as a member of Friendship Baptist Church is to what? It's to honor God. We, to, for me, to honor God by seeing lives changed, by bringing people to Jesus Christ and discipling them. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not fulfilling the purpose that God created me for. And therefore, I have a wasted life. And so, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to use tools. Uh, I am not uh, a tool man, okay? I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not a builder. I... I just don't do that type of thing. But Leslie watches all of these uh, HGTV shows, and she has high hopes for me, right? She sees all of these projects, and she looks to me and says, you can do that. And so I say, okay, you know, I can look up YouTube and <laughs> maybe find out some things, but I don't have tools. Well, one of the things that we did when we first moved into the house is she wanted a shiplap, you know, Chip and Joanne Gaines is a big thing. Shiplap. So uh, we didn't really have money for actual shiplap at the time. So we went out and we bought some plywood and cut it and painted it and, and put it up. And it didn't really look very good. Okay. Um, so, I don't know, a few months ago she said, I want to take that down and I want actual shiplap. So I said, okay, let's do it. So we get uh, the materials. And of course, I don't have tools. Right, so Kevin's my tool buddy, and uh, he lives just a few streets over. And so I say, "Hey, Kevin, I'm doing shiplap. Could you, uh, could I borrow, you know, nail gun or whatever?" And of course, Kevin's like, "Sure." You know, he's always helpful. He comes over and he starts unloading Home Depot out of his car, and he said, "You're going to need this, and you're going to need that." And, well, I didn't think of that. Well, yeah, I could use that. And so Kevin, he took care of me and gave me all these tools. So I get it all, you know, hooked up, get everything in place, get the nail gun, hook it up to the compressor and, you know, load it with nails. I've used a nail gun before. And um, go to put the ship first piece of shiplap on, and I can hear it. It's working, but the nails aren't coming through. I thought, well, maybe, maybe I don't have the pressure turned up enough. So I go up, turn up the pressure, still nothing. So I'm messing around, like, why, why is this not working? I know how to use this. And so I call Kevin. Kevin, this isn't working. Uh, could you come over here and, and help me? Uh, so he comes over, and he, it's a brand-new nail gun. Okay, it's never been used. And so he's looking. He pulls the, the cartridge back and lifts the nails out, and inside the cartridge was, was the cardboard of instructions that was still inside, preventing the nail from, you know, going through. So I told Kevin, I said, now you know why, why I'm in ministry, because I can't do anything. Um, so just having the right tools in the tool belt is half the battle, right? We have to know how to, we have to, know how to use them. It's, it's having the right tools. It's being able to use them in the right way. Well, there's nothing more tragic in life 
then to be given these gifts and these talents and these abilities and these these uh, passions and likes and and not knowing what to use them for, how to use them for God's glory. And that's a wasted life, again. Uh, this is how I think about it. Occupation is having the right tools in the shop. They're occupying the right place. Uh, they're even maybe organized in a certain way. But vocation is knowing how to use the tools the right way. All right, so an occupation, again, it's something we occupy. A vocation is a passion. It's what gets us out of bed in the morning. It's, it's, it's us changing our perspective to see this is where I work, this is where I live, this is the neighborhood that God's placed me in, uh, this is where I play, and I'm looking for ways to uh, fulfill God's purpose in this mission field that he's given me. So maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, uh, maybe you're homeschooling your children, so you say, well, what does that mean for me? Well, you're looking for other moms, okay, maybe a homeschool group, you're looking for people in your life to pour into, to build relationships with. That's your mission field. Uh, we look on the ball field where our kids play. We look at students in our classroom. You know, gaming now is a big thing, you know, with you guys where you play online. And that's a, that's a space where you can actually evangelize and make disciples. And so it's just looking for, for ways and opportunities uh, to fulfill this this purpose. So we're seeing every place as a, as a mission field. We don't have to go find it because it's found us. And we have to discover our God-given, our God-given calling. So what would be the most tragic thing uh, at the end of our lives? And uh, this is what I think. I think it, it's going to be succeeding at things that don't really matter in eternity. You know, that's going to be the most tragic thing in life. That I would succeed at things that that really have have no meaning in eternity. Uh, many of us are going to be very successful by the world standards. We're going to receive a lot of accolades. We're going to uh, receive a lot of respect. And I think a lot of us are going to get to the end of our lives and realize that this ladder of success that we've been climbing is leaning against the wrong wall. And uh, we've really, in a sense, uh, we've lived a wasted life. Now, before you can live out your calling, before we can understand why God has created us and what he's created us for, you have to know the one who calls you. Okay, you have to know Christ. And that's where it starts. And maybe there's someone here that, that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. And I would invite you to trust him uh, today. Because calling means nothing. You know, serving in, in, a, in a church, serving in a community means nothing unless you know the one who gives life, who gives hope, who gives joy and peace and purpose in life. And that only comes from a relationship with a person, okay? And his name is Jesus. And he wants to know you. And you may be excited saying, you know, I want to know what my calling is, but first we need to know Christ. And once we come to know him, then we can better understand, okay, this, this is what I was called to do. This is my purpose in life. General calling, make disciples and uh, evangelize and make disciples, glorify God. Specific calling, okay, how am I going to carry that out? And it's going to look different with all of us. Again, because we are created with a unique, we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We, we have different uh, characteristics and different opportunities. So that may, you know, that may resonate with some of you. And, 
And, you know, some of you may have this void in your life where you think, I feel like I'm just missing something. Uh, I just feel like I'm just, at the end of the day, I'm just not fulfilled. And uh, I would say that that may be a sign that um, you're, you're not fulfilling God's purpose. That, uh, you know, you're just fulfilling, you're just filling an occupation, you're filling a space. And uh, you're not using your, your gifts and your talents um, for God's glory. And so if that's you, you know, I invite you to, to, to come and, and, and to make things right with the Lord today. But uh, maybe, again, you, you've been lacking a personal relationship with Jesus. We want to invite you to come as well. Uh, so if you have uh, questions about salvation or about fulfilling your purpose, uh, come and talk to us uh, after the service. And we're going to have a time of invitation while I get ready for a baptism and so Andrew's going to play a video here in a second. And uh, this, let's just use this opportunity uh, to respond. You can pray in your seat. You can come to the altar and pray. Uh, and and, and let's, let's get a burden. Let's get a new, a new burden of we, we want to see our communities and our neighborhoods changed. We want, to, we want to see people come to Christ. And we want to see them discipled and helped and and uh, that's, that's my burden. And uh, I pray that God would do that in me and through me. And so if you have a need, um, you come and pray as uh, Andrew plays this.